Welcome to Exploring Filipino Kitchens. I'm your host, Nastasha Ali. Today we're talking with Joanne Boston, a founding member of the Filipino food movement. Joanne's vision for the success of Filipino food in the American mainstream has and always will be supported and inspired by community, the main theme we're talking about on today's show. Another big thing we're talking about today is place, San Francisco, California in particular, and of the people who live there. What you'll want to keep in mind while listening to this interview is that even though Joanne's talking about what her environment was like growing up in San Francisco, the experiences that she has, especially around food, are totally universal, whether you're Filipino or not, and regardless of where you are. Because, as you're going to hear, building community is really about creating those experiences that bring people together, and then keeping that momentum and that excitement going forward and sustaining it so that people gain a sense of ownership and of pride in the places that they live in. That's community. And how Filipinos build community, whether they're in a small town in the Philippines or in big cities like around the Bay Area. This is essential listening for anyone interested in learning about how Filipino food culture has and continues to develop. Let's dive right in. Okay, great. Um, thank you for having me. First of all, it's it's an honor to to be part of this project. Uh, my name is Joanne Boston. I am based in San Francisco, California. And for six years, Joanne was vice president of the Filipino Food Movement, which is a five hundred one c three nonprofit um, that was just um, made official last. Two years ago, and but I have been involved with Filipino food for, I want to say, over eight years. I think we are at a golden point in in the progression of Filipino food, and I just want to be part of it. So my connection has always, you okay? Let me start over. My connection to Filipino food has started from the day I was born. Let's just say that, <laughs> and. I grew up with Filipino food, and I just see the beauty in it, and I want people to get to know it. Full disclosure, I'm a contributor to the Filipino Food Movement blog, which is how I first got connected to Joanne. We talked a little bit about Project Adobo, one of Joanne's early blogging projects that featured adobo recipes from home cooks and working chefs. Adobo is that quintessential Filipino dish that's cooked with vinegar, spices, sometimes soy sauce, and often with a lot of other extras thrown in. But I, I came across it when I was in I was in journalism school at the time. Like I always knew I wanted to write about food in some way, but I mean when I started back then I was kinda like, you know what? Like it's really cool that, you know, I'm seeing like these stories that are distinctly Filipino that are shared by Filipinos about something that many other Filipinos can kind of relate to. So it was one of those things where it really kind of like made me realize that you could approach the story about Filipino food in not a conventional way. Um, so it's it's great to kind of see that progress and kind of see it grow, um, you know, just the community aspect of it as well. I saw that a lot of the people who contributed to Project Adobo ended up participating in other parts of of my personal um, journey through Filipino food and with um, Filipino food movement. So 
it's a great place to um, to see where how how one dish can affect one person's life, and and you notice that all the stories are different. So I started food blogging, I want to say in 2007. I, I was on social media prior to that high school. We were on Asian Avenue, apartment 107, really old school um, social media. Um, but the actual blogging for, um, for food started 2007 when I started going to college here in San Francisco. So I had been working um, throughout junior college. And then when I went to a medical program, I was in the city, San Francisco's a mecca of all these great Californian restaurants, very diverse restaurants, and um, coming from a family that uh, worked in hospitality, my mother, my my aunties, they all worked at the hotels in, in the city. So I learned from my mom to go out and eat out because she was also in culinary and hospitality. So she introduced me to um, Hole in the Wall restaurants, she introduced me to really fine dining restaurants. And when I was walking around here, I said, wow, this is a great place. People come to San Francisco just to eat. So I just decided to make a blog to chronicle all the things that I ate while I was in school. Um, I, I initially did it as a, um, what can I eat on a college student's budget? And then after I graduated, um, my blog got more and more attention and I started doing freelance writing for different uh, local publications here. Um, there used to be one called Pinch It. I don't even think it's here anymore, but Pinch It, CBS, they would ask me, hey, Joe, um, can you write up a list for people who want to look for the best burger, the best um, pizza, things like that. And there was just one time where I was asked to do that and it was called the Best of Series for CBS. And I asked my editor, is it cool to write a list of Filipino restaurants? Because there's such a high concentration of Filipinos in the Bay Area, yet we are we are not represented anywhere. And so I don't know what, he, what made him say yes, but I, I made a small list of food carts and food vendors here in San Francisco. So after that, I said, hmm. I could either go on and talk about tuna tartare and filet mignon, and, but after a certain point, I kind of got tired of that. I kind of got tired of um, writing the same thing, and, and it kind of got old for me, and I said, okay, you know what? You got to go back to your roots, and you got to write about what you really enjoy, which is the Filipino food. So after a couple years, I was writing um, for my blog, it went from a restaurant blog to more of a promotion blog of how to um, find Filipino restaurants. Um, and I got invited to certain community events. And the main one that I was introduced to was Culinaria, which is a, at the time, it was a Filipino cooking competition. Just think Iron Chef, but with like four chefs and there were judges for it. It was like a big deal. And I was asked to write um a small article for their for their newspaper, and then and then soon, I was approached by different people who were at that event. Um, I was approached by the chefs, I was approached by other media outlets, and 
we all just said, hey, you know, we, we see each other all the time. This wasn't the first time I saw them. I see them at, you know, festivals around the city. I'd see them at, of course, Culinaria and other, and, and, and at restaurant openings. And we just said, you know what, let's, let's do something. Let's go out. Let's, let's uh, mesh our brains and, and think of how we could promote our culture and Filipino food here in San Francisco. So the blogging went from blogging to freelance to attending events, writing for events, and then eventually collaborating with the people who are already in the industry and the community. So that was the progression. And, um, and from then on, I just started meeting great people like Sonia Dellen, who was um, one of the chairs of Culinaria. She introduced me to um, other restaurateurs in the city, Tom Weibel, um, Dom Heinza. And then on a trip to New York City, I met Amy Basin and Chef Romy, and they said, you need to go meet PJ Casada. So this whole networking, this whole networking was the key for this progression. And I probably wouldn't get here if it wasn't for the blogging, because blogging is really important. I, I don't do it too much now because I, <laughs> I like to be more on the ground now, but blogging is very important because it does tell a story and it does tell people, it gives them um, tips on where to go. It gives them the the chef story, your story. So hopefully um, for this year, we hope to have um, a more a more active uh, blog for, for the Filipino food community. Those stories are at the core of this episode, and really the core of our existence, if you happen to be as crazed about food and people as Joanne and I seem to be. The idea of how the place you grew up in kind of fits into who you are as a person is another big theme that runs throughout this talk. So I asked Joanne to paint us a picture of what growing up was like for her in San Francisco. I'm a rare breed. I'm, I'm Bay Area, San Francisco, born and raised. Um, I was born in the early 80s in San Francisco. I lived along Mission Street for um, much of my childhood. And I have, I only lived in two places, really. I, I lived in San Francisco and then I live in Daly City. I have been exposed to so many Filipinos over the course of my lifetime because the Bay Area, especially Daly City, they call it Manila Town because there are so many Filipinos here. And it was never anything foreign to me. I thought Filipino was was the normal, which it is. It is the normal for me. And I was just blessed to be brought up in, a, in an area where you could just go down the street and rent out a VHS tape of a little lapid action movie and and buy a package of puchinta or chicharron. So throughout my childhood, Filipino, being Filipino has has been an integral part of it. Um, I went to a Catholic school first few years of my uh, schooling, ended up going to public school and high school in Daly City where they had a Philam club. They majority of the the student population was Filipino. Um, I went to school at Skyline College, which is in, along the peninsula where more Filipinos live. And I was a co-founder of the Filipino Student Union back in 2005. And it's great to see that I'm still alive. <laughs> a lot more people joined after I left. We even produced the first PCN at a junior college at Skyline. 
And I want to see that was like one of my pri- my proudest moments because it was very important for me to connect to my roots because even though, you know, I was Filipino, I had not visited the Philippines in 10 years after, I want to say, I went there every couple years up until I was 12 or 13. And then I had a 10 year gap. Even though I was raised Filipino, I saw Filipino people everywhere, literally. College was when I really realized that you have to go back to the Philippines. It's a blessing just to be in the Bay Area. However, you do see a stark difference um, with other cultures. Filipinos, most concentrated area in the United States, yet again, we're not represented and we're not um, necessarily brought up in, in many conversations as far as you know entertainment, cooks, things like that, but we're there. Um, it's just that there's not enough noise about us out here. And I think when I, when I met up with those people at those events, we saw the same thing. We see hundreds, thousands of people going to these Filipino fiestas but where are we in the press? Where are we in in uh, mainstream media? Where are we in the cooking shows? Um, and that's how that's where it all started. It it's just it was just very daunting that we are here, but we're still being ignored. And it's it's about time that people get to know us. I don't want people to know us just because some some guy on TV made us cool, you know. Um, I I want us. I want our own people to be proud of us to be proud of ourselves. And um, I still think that it's a cultural thing that we aren't that way. Um, But it's changing. And I see, I think that a lot of what drives this desire to kind of be known is in, in one way or another related to our search for identity. And whether it's establishing your identity as a Filipino-American, a Filipino-Canadian, just being able to kind of reconcile who you are with your cultural background, I think as such, at least for me, that's, that's a big reason, that's a big driver for me and why I'm very interested in learning about the culture and the traditions and the history of Filipino food in, in particular. Guaranteed, if you ask any young person or any person in general, what what are the best parts about being Filipino? Guaranteed, they're going to say their food. Guaranteed. From those early events, when you had to think about how you wanted to present Filipino food to the public, how did that change over time? Could you tell us about when it's been particularly challenging or rewarding? I want to say when I first started getting involved with the community, there were only two organizations that really initiated events here. One is the consulate, the San Francisco consulate, and um, FAAE, which um, Al Perez, he's one of our board members, he started. He's in charge of the whole Pistahan. Um and there weren't very many, uh, I guess, kids in my generation who were doing that at the time. It was, it's, I want to say this is like 2009, 2010. But then again, Pistahan has been here. It's going to be like 25 years. They've been here forever. So my generation, we're coming to that age where we know we now have a voice. 
and we have a force. So back then, it was very hard to get everyone together because it was very it was very sparse the where people were who were interested. Um, I want to say there was only two people at the time having a pop-up. Um, the restaurants that were open at the time were very traditional, are very traditional, um, usually owned by first-generation Filipino-Americans and or immigrants who came from the Philippines, opened up businesses here or were born there, came here um, at a younger age. And there wasn't, there wasn't any sort of glue, I want to say. I think that's what we wanted to create. We wanted to create a net for everybody to fall into and work together. Now, I know that this might not be relatable or even all that interesting to everyone. I mean, if I were busy with my back-to-back shifts six days a week from a couple of years ago, I probably wouldn't even be listening to this podcast at all. But the fact that you are means that you're interested in hearing about how grassroots communities spring up around food and how people strengthen their relationships with each other by eating together. To my mind, that's a very powerful thing. So how exactly did a small network of people bound by their love of Filipino food turn into a base of 56,000 followers and counting on social media? Let me, let me backtrack to 2010, where I met those people at those events. And one I'm going to say is my Kuya Chip. He was a nephew of one of the chefs I met. And he was the one who created that spark. He said, why don't we collaborate with the chefs? Back then, the chefs, they never really worked together unless they knew each other from way before. But for the most part, each restaurant was working for themselves they they weren't really collaborating. And so we went to each chef and we went to the restaurants and we said, okay, you know, let's let's is it possible to have an event at your restaurant, invite a demographic that hasn't been touched yet, and possibly provide a dish or an entree that hasn't been presented onto your menu. So it makes it a special event for whoever comes. And the group that I was in at the time, we called ourselves Cup Amelia. It was a social dining group. So this was way before Feastly, way before all that. The word Cup Amelia is a play on the Tagalog word Cup Amelia, which by definition is someone you're related to by blood. But like a lot of Filipino puns, food is kind of in there in a mix someplace. In this case, where the English word meal stands for the family that you enjoy eating with, with whomever you count as family. And... It was a success for the most part until we found out that they were that the restaurants were closing left and right and we were losing our venues. And that was kind of a, a wake-up call. Like, why why are all these restaurants closing? And of course a plethora of of notions came like maybe the general public's not educated. What are they thinking about Filipino food? Do they even know what being a Filipino food what Filipino is? Um, are people, do people know where to get Filipino food? We had all these questions and it was, it was disheartening to see friends of ours having to close down their restaurants. And we said, we have to do something about this. We didn't know exactly what at that point, but we knew we had to create noise some way. And a year after 
um, Cup Amelia stopped operations because life happens. I met with Amy, who introduced me to PJ Casada, who is from a um, family business who's been in the um, Bay Area for a really long time, and his passion is Filipino food. And when Joanne got together with PJ to brainstorm ideas for the kind of group they could gather around promoting Filipino food. From our conversations, we realized that social media was a huge tool. Um, this was when Twitter was coming out, or Twitter had been the thing. That was like 2009, 2010. Then Instagram was coming, um, and we saw the value in using those those vehicles. Um, and then one day, he just said, Joe, do you want to do a food event? And that's honestly when he said that I knew I had found the right people because I had wanted to have a, a Filipino food festival for the longest time. To put things in context, this was when the street food movement was here, the food carts, the food trucks, and this is about 2011, 2012. So they were hyped up at that time. And I was saying, wouldn't it be cool if we had all the food trucks come at one place and everybody just eat Filipino food? And then a year later, that's what they're doing now. Not with just Filipino food trucks, but with Mexican, Puerto Rican, Spanish, all these um, Asian uh, food trucks. So he said, I have a similar idea, but it's going to be with the chefs and restaurants and food trucks. And when he told me that it was going to be at Justin Herman Plaza, one of San Francisco's largest public squares. I was like, wow. If, if you told me that I was going to be able to do this when I was when I first started blogging, I would have told you you were crazy because I, I never expected anything like that to happen. And as those initial ideas with PJ and key community leaders came into sharper focus. Call it, I don't know what it was, call it a major coincidence, the right timing, I don't know. But after that event that we had in 2014 here in San Francisco, I have seen so many collaborations between the chefs who were present at that event, whether they cooked or participated in um, the prep or just um, or just being there. So I, I began to see all these connections being made. And again, if you told me that that was going to happen back when I first started blogging, Ottawa said, no, that's impossible because it was at that time, it was more about competition over co collaboration. Now it's collaboration over competition where everyone is kind of working on the same team. We, we have the same, we have the same goal, but the, those who are in it now, they see the value in working together rather than pushing each other down. They're rising up together, which is great. Collaboration over competition. I love how that's like straight out of a motivational poster of some kind, but it's real and more importantly, addresses another key issue that's familiar to Filipino communities across the globe, that infamous crab mentality, where as you push yourself up just a little bit higher to get closer to the top, to your goals, you realize that the competition to get there means a lot of other people are also determined to pull you down. But then again, it's hard. It's a lot of restaurants are still having trouble um, keeping their doors open. Um, there's a lot of people opening their restaurants. But then again, I see that some of them are not educated enough on the business end. Their food is great, but on the business end, it might be a little, um, a little lacking. 
So I've seen the struggles that the chefs have had, but I've also seen the successes, which has been great. Like here in San Francisco, I see um, we have two great friends um, of Fob Kitchen where they actually said, you know, like we started our pop-ups because we see all the all the inspiration from all these other chefs doing it. And that to me was like, wow, if if they could just feed off each other's energies and, and be successful with their businesses, like, isn't that great? So now I've never been to San Francisco, but I can almost see like a flashback, Joanne sitting with her grandparents by the window of this restaurant with San Francisco's Manila town behind them, bustling with people doing groceries, running errands, going about their everyday lives. And I kind of imagine that it's me and my folks sitting on the stools by the window of this burger joint called Tropical Hut in my hometown in Manila. It's definitely got this 80s vibe to it. There's a little carousel in the corner that six kids can ride on, and one of the best things I loved about this place was how every time we went, my dad would always order something called burger steak, which is a hamburger patty dripping in gravy. This insanely juicy burger patty, rice on the side, easily the best part of our week. The last time I went home, I sat at the Starbucks across the street from this place and thought about how strongly my memories of home were tied to the four blocks that surrounded this corner. It was right at the entrance to our town, so you couldn't come in or out without passing it. And as a teenager, it was easy to hop onto a tricycle or a jeepney from the terminal. That was our escape from boredom. And spending the last of my pocket change at the barbecue stand another block away on 10 sticks of isau, which are chicken intestines marinated in the sweet, garlicky, tomatoey, peppery sauce. And the barbecue vendor there never cared that a bunch of teenagers always hung around her stall for hours, gorging on grilled meats and cigarettes. That's what I mean by the concept of place as a central force to defining and understanding who you are as a person. Because we all have our origin stories, and the places that we spend our formative years, for better or worse, make up an integral part of who we are and who we become. And back in San Francisco, I would see all the same people just like working together, collaborating, consulting on each other's menus. And it's it's a rewarding feeling just knowing that they're all here for each other and they're not. I mean, you could say like the area is being saturated with Filipino restaurants, but at the same time, we're creating community. We're creating a force that will not be erased. We're here. Um, currently I am in San Francisco, I'm in downtown San Francisco, but two blocks away is Soma Pilipinas, which is a district that San Francisco just, um, made official last year. And that's huge. It's, it's telling the, it's telling the country that we have a community of Filipinos. And I think the efforts of all these business owners and all these restaurateurs and chefs, they've all contributed to that, to that noise, to that effort. And, it's heartwarming. It's rewarding. It's, it's something to be very proud of. I don't want to tear up right now. <laughs> like my family has been in, the, in San Francisco. I want to say shortly after world war II, my grandpa and my grand uncle, they came here because of their efforts in the war. And 
my my grand uncle, he stayed in the old Manila town way back when and then ended up moving to different parts of the city um, before he settled down um, near Mission Street where I grew up. So San Francisco in itself, it's is a very important part of who I am. I don't think I could live anywhere else, honestly. And just knowing that the city recognizes us and the city knows that we're here and finally giving us a place to call our own, that's amazing. So I have seen the progression of how we were, you know, kind of on the surface. We're, we're you know, we're like an oil slick on the surface, but now we're a freaking iceberg. You know, like we're here. You're not going to avoid us. You can't not, you can't avoid us now. So that's how I see it. But then again, we still got a lot of work to do. It's um, the area that they they made the Heritage District. It's still in development. Um, and what I've seen is lots of uh, organizations working together. To I, I hope to to participate in the development of that of that area because I used to come to this area so many times as a kid because my grandparents would just sit at a restaurant on 5th and and Mission, and we'd eat Filipino food there together. So who does the Filipino food movement reach out to? Who are some of the people in the community? Yes, so the Filipino food community, they have this drive to make their families proud. I, every person I've talked to, every chef I've talked to, I asked them, why do you cook? And they said, you know, I want to tell my family's story and I want to make my mom proud. And what, what we see in the community is that they want to make a name for themselves. They want to be successful and they want to change the narrative. They don't want to be part of that generation where everybody became a nurse or a lawyer or a doctor. They want the community that we work with are... They're the trailblazers. There we go. They are the trailblazers. Um, They are the ones saying that we can be successful in the restaurant industry, as cutthroat as it is already. I've seen that there are so many openings of Filipino restaurants with an American narrative to it. Um, that's That's one community that we work with. Another community that we want to work with more are those who are intrigued or are are curious about Filipino food. So let me just backtrack. The Filipino food movement, our mission is to promote, preserve, and progress Filipino food through education and community building. So we we see all these chefs coming together. I think that's that's a great way of promoting and progressing. And then as far as preserving and and promoting, we have to make sure that those who have not had Filipino food are educated about the dishes, that they know a general history. I mean, we're not going to go into, you know, um, specific dates of when wars happened and things like that. But like when, you know, they should know that it's very multifaceted, our food. It's we got Spanish, Malay, Chinese, American, the native uh, flavors in it. And I think that was one part that was missing from from a lot of the menus back in the day. They just kind of serve the food, no description, where it came from. It was just there. So people were kind of, okay, what what are we eating? Why are we eating this? How how does this connect to anything? So we want to create that context um, 
So that's one community. Another community that we want to work with are those who are curious, who have entrepreneurial spirit, yet they don't know how to start their own businesses. So I guess we have the established, we got the newbies, and we have those in transition from becoming a newbie to an established um, restaurant. So there's, there's a, when you say community, it could go in so many directions because Filipino food, it, it, it grew from community, and, but yet it can grow into so many different ways and go into so many different tangents. Um, so I think we have a real great opportunity to tap on all those communities and, and see what they want to happen with our food. Um, like for you and I, for example, we, we like to write about Filipino food. We like to tell the stories and, um, create connections between our families and, and the, and the food that we eat and our culture. So that, you know, that's already part of preserving and, and progressing and promoting. So we are all aligned. We are all, we are all in this for one goal. Actually, many goals. We all have different goals. But one main goal that we have is to, to show off our culture and be proud of that culture. But at the same time, we have to be mindful that the food that is being made here in the United States or, or in Canada or in Europe is going to be different from the food that's going to be made in the Philippines, right? Because the personal stories are going to be translated on that menu. Um, the community we work with, they are entrepreneurs. They work hard. They're the ones who who work their butts off to make themselves seen in the media, um, who, who do above and beyond and just cook. One person is um, Alvin Kailan, who is in um, LA Unit 120. He had an incubation program where he he let other chefs in his area come in and, and test out their concept. That's great. That's the type of people we want to work with. We want um, the community we work with to work with other people, other chefs, business owners, entrepreneurs, so that they could help each other out, so that these businesses can can thrive. You're not seeing my head, but I'm nodding very vigorously with <laughs> a lot of the things you're saying. Um, it's it, it is truly heartwarming because it's as you, you you've mentioned a couple of times the word community and uh, what what is happening in the Bay Area is um, you know guys like younger chefs who are changing the narrative of Filipino food. And uh, I identify with that quite a bit because it's where we're all doing our part, even if, you know, it's just, even if it's you introducing your non-Filipino friends to one Filipino dish at a time, even if it's that one little step that you take forward, it does play a big role in kind of like paying it forward, right? And just introducing more and more people to it. So it's the community aspect of it is is totally at the heart of um of all of this, I think. <laughs> yep. And plus, Filipinos are naturally hospitable people. Absolutely. Yeah, that's what I love about us. Like, you will never leave a Filipino household hungry. <laughs> Let's talk about truth and pride. We, we at Filipino Food Movement, we have three truths when it comes to Filipino food. 
The first one that it's inclusive. The second one is diverse. The third one is personal. Now let's go through that one by one. Um, again, being inclusive, this food is for everybody. Whoever wants to eat it, eat it. Whoever wants to make it, make it, do it. Um, who are we to say that you cannot eat it and you can't make it? Um, I think a lot of people do not have access to Filipino food within their communities, which, which makes it harder. But hopefully with more and more restaurants and more and more chefs around the country um, contributing to the movement or doing their own events, that's helping the movement already. Um, the second thing is it's that it's diverse. So many regions in the Philippines, so many dialects being spoken. Um, an adobo in the north will totally be different from an adobo in the south. And pride comes into that because a lot of people say, well, you know, mom's, mom's adobo, that's the best. I'm not going to taste yours because I already know it's going to suck. Um, so pride plays into that because a lot of people do not want to go out to restaurants to eat Filipino food because they automatically think that what they're going to get, it won't be good as the one they get at home. Well, let's stop for a second here. In many Filipino communities, that reaction that Joanne talks about, where people go, I'm not even going to try this because my family or my region's version is better, is a real barrier that prevents many Filipinos, wherever they are in the world, from appreciating the full spectrum of Filipino cuisine. It prevents people who live in the northern provinces of Luzon, for example, from sampling the palette of spices used in everyday southern Mindanao cooking, simply because they don't know what it's about or what it's made of. And it's the kind of thinking, unfortunately, that prevents your particularly traditional relatives from enjoying the refinement that the soul of their cooking has impressed upon younger people. Um, but then again, if you have an understanding that it is diverse, you have to keep an open mind that whatever you're going to have outside of your household will be different from yours. And you cannot be making comparisons only because you're doing yourself a disservice. You are not letting yourself enjoy what other people have made for you. So that having pride there, that could affect it. That could affect your own availability to eat the food that other people have made. Um, the third one, personal. Of course, everyone has their stories. We've been talking about stories this entire time. Stories are very important, one, because we all have them. Um, it makes us human and it makes us appreciate what we do appreciate in our living lives. And we have to keep those stories alive in order for our kids, their grandchildren, our grandchildren, their kids, their kids, their kids, to really understand our culture um, and to appreciate you know, our immigrant families coming over from the Philippines and even the families coming or that are back home in the Philippines, we have to make sure that those stories stay alive. A lot of Filipinos think that it's all pork-based, that it's all brown, that it's not healthy. Um, but that's not necessarily true. So as far as, you know, pride, I think the pride... Um, that the chefs feel when they have their dinners, when they when they create a new dish or, you know, or the pride they feel when they know that what they're cooking is an homage to their family. That's the that's the pride I, I appreciate. Um, not so much the pride of, well, my my mom's is so much better than yours. There's there's different levels of pride. 
the pride that I want to resonate is the pride in our culture and that we are all working together to make our, our culture known. Um, and that we are all putting together an effort, contribution to this bigger thing that what we are, this, I don't want to keep calling it the movement, but this, I guess this approach, right, right. Even more so than just the food, but, you know, just us, just us as Filipinos. That's the pride that I feel that we all should feel. What I personally believe, too, is a big key to to telling the story of, of Filipinos all over the world and of the food in particular. Um, one of the keys to being able to tell that story more fully and more richly uh, does have does have a lot to do with educating uh, people, and not just educating foreigners like people who are non-Filipino, but also Filipinos themselves. Because um, you know, a big part of this, uh, I guess you can call it a bit of a rediscovery of the different types of regional cuisine. Like, listen to us because we have legitimate stories to tell and we do actually have really good food that we want to share with you and you know we do have all these great like cooking techniques and ingredients from back home that thankfully I'm kind of starting to see you know becoming a little bit more available even outside of the Philippines so it's exciting <laughs> This month was a blast, and I truly want to thank Joanne for taking the time to chat with us for this episode. She was totally down with the idea of sharing stories from the Filipino Bay Area community with all of us. So, our sincerest thanks. What I hope you take away from all this, though, is not just stories about the emergence of Filipino food in the U.S. and the Western world. In fact, I encourage everyone who identifies as Filipino including friends and family that I grew up with back home, to appreciate the magnitude of what a passionate, curious group of young people can do. This idea of building communities around food, it's an old one, by no means invented or made cool by the kids of American immigrants. We've known this for centuries. Every culture celebrates around food. For baptisms, weddings, getting a new job or a new house, anniversaries, or in the Philippines, town fiestas in particular, for patron saints that are very much alive and well. I admit, I really wish I went to a lot more of those town fiestas when I was a kid. Anyway, this gathering of people with a common goal, to share their love of Filipino food, I think is the most extensive and purposeful spread of knowledge about food in the Philippines, ever. Think about it. With stuff you can find online, accessible wherever you can get a Facebook connection, that community-building aspect almost automatically comes with it and enables us to have these conversations about food and why it's okay to talk about them in terms of it being trendy, in terms of more people who've never had Filipino be food before uh, trying them for the first time. Even if there are larger, more pressing issues about food in the Philippines, like food security, that also exist and also need their time in the larger frame of discussions, I really believe that the best way to tackle these kinds of complex issues is 
to start by making it matter to you, to a friend, to one person at a time, and eventually those people find a way to come together and build the kinds of communities that can make change happen themselves, almost organically. It's all about strength in numbers, and it's the best way for us to make noise, as Joanne puts it, to engage as many people as we can in meaningful conversations around Filipino food. The more we talk about it, the more we collectively lend our voices to the emergence of a strong, burgeoning food culture. Music for this episode is by David Seste, Eric and McGill, the Polish Ambassador, and Podington Bear. To say hello to other Filipino food lovers who also listen to this podcast, head over to exploringfilipinokitchens.com and give us a like on Facebook, leave a comment, or just say hello. And I've got one little favor to ask. If you enjoyed this talk, mention it to a friend. Then find Exploring Filipino Kitchens on iTunes and hit subscribe. That would be amazing. Maraming salamat. Thank you for listening.